right? Adoption always outpaces security. The, the problem is that adoption cycle is getting faster and faster and faster. So right now, our best estimates are that between 50 and 60% of APIs are completely unmanaged. They're just blind spots and accelerating. So that, that problem is getting worse. So a uh, little Texas saying, you know, it's, it's like a one-legged man chasing a rabbit. The longer we watch this happen, the worse it gets, the further apart we're getting. I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. As always, I'm your host, Jason Harmon, CTO at Stoplight. You know, API security, it's a thing. Uh, certainly this year, um, you know, we see this, this constant increase in attacks and exploits and it's in the news. So I think we're, uh, you know, doing our best to reach out to folks in the space and see kind of what these practitioners and platforms and things uh, are finding and learning about uh, so we can kind of help inform the community. Uh, so I'm quite thankful to Chuck Heron, uh, CTO and board member at WIB, uh, that's W-I-B. Uh, Chuck, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're here. Absolutely. Th and thanks for having us. I appreciate it. We, we love getting the message out to the uh, to the marketplace and, and fellow practitioners. So uh, I'll be brief about me. My history uh, in InfoSec is 20 plus years. Uh, started as an attacker actually when I when I learned that you could actually you know get paid to break things and break into to systems um, and do it legally so that was cool did that for several years and then uh, landed on the blue team starting in about 2004 in financial services spent the next 18 years uh, building and rebuilding security programs uh, in financial services globally so operating footprint of about 100 countries and then uh, I, I moved into the builder space. So attacker, defender, and now builder. I, this is my second role as CTO, uh, built a fintech here in Dallas, and uh, and then uh, left that role, got it up and running, and joined WIB to bring well, what we're calling the second generation of API security to the market. So my my goal is to to bring the the eye of the an attacker and a buyer uh, with that's familiar with heavy compliance requirements and heavily regulated spaces to the API security space and, and help educate, you know, colleagues about what the challenges are with API security. How is it the same? How do the fundamentals apply? And then how, what's different, right? So, so that we can really allocate resources wisely and get away from things like FUD and buzzwords and things like that. We, we don't need any of that. The problems are real enough. We can just speak plain English about it and, and focus on what we need to do. So it's a fun space. It's a fast moving space. And uh, I really appreciate the ability to get the, get the word out to, the, to, to our colleagues. Very cool. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's a hot subject these days because I'm just going to say it plainly. It ain't working, <laughs> right? Like whatever it is that we're doing is not working. Uh, and I think our, our theme in talking to API security folks is like, what do you see that's broken in kind of the way that, you know, why are APIs getting exploited so often? Uh, you know, is it process? Is it tools? Is it people? Kind of, you know, where do you think the problems lie? Yeah, it's great. It's a great question, and and I, I totally agree with you. We're seeing the same thing. Like, what the, the the scenario with APIs is, um, you know, APIs themselves aren't new. They're you know 40, 50 years old, right? Going back to the to the seventies at least. Um, 
but the, the the adoption of APIs and API first development practices is relatively recent. So the last you know five seven years or so, we've really seen a, an exponential increase in API development. And the the disconnect that we're seeing is is the same thing that we've seen that I've seen and, and I'm sure you have seen, you know, for the last twenty plus years. Right, adoption always outpaces security. We always adopt the new technology before we really understand the risks associated with them and how to manage those risks. Right, so. We did the same thing when we went to desktop computers from green screens. We did the same thing when we went online. We did the same thing when we went to the cloud, right? Adoption always outpaced security. The, the problem is that adoption cycle is getting faster and faster and faster. So right now, our best estimates are that between 50 and 60% of APIs are completely unmanaged. They're just blind spots and accelerating. So that, that problem is getting worse. So a uh, little Texas saying, you know, it's it's like a one-legged man chasing a rabbit. The longer we watch this happen, the worse it gets, the further apart we're getting. And the reason why APIs are under attack is because they're kind of easy pickings. It's, it's open attack surface that defenders haven't really come to understand even what's available for exploitation, much less how the exploits work and how to defend against them. And uh, it's a big blind spot. And you know, I think the, the, the rest of the issues that arise around API security are all extensions of that fundamental problem, which is that you can't secure that which you can't see. And, and if your, your defenders are unaware of the APIs that you are using, first party, third party, you know, exposing business logic and data and all of these wonderful things that these integrations and APIs can do, you're missing a pretty substantial part of your attack surface and therefore it's it's kind of it's kind of easy you know it, it's easy for attackers to take advantage of that and we've been doing so in in a number of operating environments and industries and verticals and geographies and we generally operate our, our red teams completely undetected like no, nobody sees anything that we do until we report out what we did um and that's 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 concerning, and these are these are heavily regulated spaces as well. Like I mean, you wouldn't think that that some of these companies would have blind spots. Unfortunately, the bigger the companies get, the more complex they get, the more stretched their resources get. And it's even harder to keep track. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's exactly what we're seeing as well. Oh, I would believe it, <laughs> but yeah, perhaps <laughs> listeners might not. <laughs> yeah, and that is to say, I think as a base assumption that um, kind of API sprawl is the problem that's sort of blanketing many things now, right? Like everybody wants to be cool like Bezos and say, thou must, th thou shalt build APIs, right? But then it's like doing it in a real program style, especially in larger scale, it's super challenging. Um, I mean, I, I talked to some other folks and said like, I feel like five, seven years ago, uh, our security teams were still focused on network boundaries. And yeah. like, we're just it, just now in a lot of bigger places trying to transition into managing things like Kubernetes and really cloud native stuff. So as you said, like it's, it's too fast. I haven't kept up. Yeah. So I guess in your mind, like um, beyond the tools, are there um, kind of organizational changes or like collaborative changes or something that need to happen to make this catch up? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm glad that you bring that up, right? It's not just about tools, even though I'm, you know, representing a software vendor. Uh, I hope that that nobody's getting up in front of any audience and saying, "Buy my magical tool, and it's going to solve all your API security problems." And if they are, you should run because uh, 
it, on the one hand, you need the tools. The, the tooling that defenders have been using, web application firewalls, API gateways even, they're good at what they were designed to do, but they were, you know, specifically WAFs and other firewalls and preventative tools like that. They were never designed to understand and, and be able to process business logic. So while you need the tools, you need to upgrade your tooling because your attack surface has changed. Um, you can't buy a pickup truck full of hammers and expect a house to spring up. You, you need people that understand how to use the tools and the goals so that, so that you can actually effectively operationalize it. And the tools need to be, uh, we, we need to hold our, our vendors and ourselves accountable. The tools need to give you actionable intel, right? You need to get what, so what, and now what out of the tool rather than just a list of findings. And the whole industry is relatively new. Like the whole API security industry is, is only a few years old. So the, sure. the tooling is part of it, but you hit the nail on the head. The biggest disconnect that I see is not one of just tools. It's, it's, it's organizational disconnect. Who even owns API security at my company? And, and when you, if you have a, a head of DevOps or DevSecOps and a CISO or a CIO and a CISO or whatever, if you see them sort of pointing fingers or not sure about that, that's fundamentally the, the, the beginning of the problem. Then you get into what is my API inventory? Who, who's creating these? Who's making the changes? How are we assessing the risk of them? Uh, and then a lot of times, you know, we'll have a sort of point in time reviews and things. But these things are changing. This code is changing multiple times per week, multiple times per day. You can't rely. I mean, you, we got to change processes too. You can't do the semi-annual manual pen test that, you know, if you've been in banking or insurance or, you know, the legacy industries for a long time, that's the way we did things for a long time. That'll never work uh, in, in an API first ecology and in, in agile development you know, methodologies. So we have to change all three of these things. Like we need to clarify who owns this from an ownership perspective, make sure that we understand, you know, what the, the footprint is and what business functions they're being used for, what they support, all of those things. But also from a process perspective, adapt and evolve the processes so that you don't try to put legacy processes on top of new technology and, and new operating models and then break them. Right. So uh, I was talking to a company it has been a couple of weeks ago now, but they it, this is in banking and they had uh, an API that they had developed for data transfer. But the security team didn't trust the integrity of the data being transferred. And they they put a manual break the process here and go in and have a person assess what is being sent and then essentially click OK to forward it, which completely defeats the purpose of the automation. Right. And, and you could just feel the frustration from the development teams and others that are trying to automate all of these processes with security coming in saying, yeah, that sounds great, but we're going to break it because we don't know how to secure it in real time at the speed of business. I think that's a, that's a non-trivial task is to get security teams and de development teams working together so they can both run at the speed of business without sacrificing your risk posture. It's, it's possible, yeah. but you have to do it on purpose. It doesn't just happen. No, no, no. No, for sure not. Um, but I think there's a couple of things implied in what you said. One is like, um, you know, some of these kind of approaches of, you know, whether it be WAFs or some kind of log analysis is like, let's go find the, the problems. Let's go find what we have because they're sprawl. But that's too late. Like it's already out there and implied in what you're saying is let's shift that more left and take a little more sort of prophylactic approach to uh, pre-release activity. But what you're also getting at is that that kind of lies in testing things more iteratively as opposed to longer term. 
my experience has been in, in talking to like uh, API product managers, which is sort of a growing role. Yeah. Is they're like, you know, we don't have one way of testing things and the testing world around APIs is just super chaotic. Like there isn't one clear path to take. So how do you think about like adding security testing things into an environment in which API contract testing, all that stuff is a little chaotic in the first place? Uh, yeah, I think I think that this is where the tooling can really play a useful role. Meaning, what what I don't want to you know get into to our product. This is not a commercial talk, but but the, the philosophy behind Wib's platform is that if you're going to expose your business logic and you know essentially at a, at a code level expose connectivity and interactivity to the outside, you need to see your risk all the way from code all the way to the outside. And so the way that we've built our platform from the ground up is by taking multiple lenses of visibility, and then we are able to apply an iteratively and automated way, do this testing dynamically based on what we see as part of the SDLC going through, right? So by the time that we are able to, for example, test for authentication, um, we, we can say, hey, if we send a packet to a reference implementation in a lower environment of a particular API, and let's say that we, we send an authenticated packet and an unauthenticated request, right? An authenticated request and an unauthenticated request. If we get a 200 OK status on the unauthenticated request, 100% chance authentication is not working for that, uh, that endpoint the way that you expect it to be. So it's really important when you design the tests that you design them in such a way that you can winnow out the false positives. And this has been a real challenge in the API security space. Uh, it, when, when you look at the, the, the industry of API security, we have a, a number of point solutions that are looking at production traffic or that looking at code. And where that tends to, to struggle is you may have, let's say for an example, you may do authentication uh, natively in, at the code level in the framework uh, of the API, uh, or you may have some inline device to it. Just because you see something or don't see something in code doesn't necessarily mean that that's a real issue. You've got other things in that ecosystem that may be performing that same function. And so we built the platform from the ground up to take all of that into account and provide the context around that whole experience so that when we hit something from the outside, we're able to say this is the net result of all of this, all of these configurations. That's really important in the API space. And it's like I said, it's non-trivial. Um, it's kind of like the, the, the old parable of the, the blind men and the elephant, right? If you look at traffic, it looks like a leg. If you look at code, it looks like a vine, you know, it's the tail of the elephant. We really had to intentionally put all of those pieces together to get the context and then only report out of that, 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 uh, the findings with context and validation, because otherwise you just wind up chasing your tail after false positives because API vulnerabilities there's some set of vulnerabilities that, that look the same as the OWASP top 10 that we've been dealing with for 20 years, you know, header-based things, things that look malicious, you know, SQL injection. All, those things still work against APIs. Your APIs are still vulnerable to those injection type of attacks. But there are a number of different types of attacks um, that, that make up the OWASP API top 10, which was just updated for 2023. And most of those don't have an analog in the traditional web app. Like, so when you think of like, broken object level authorization, broken function level authorization, mass assignment. These are attacks at the business logic that APIs are serving up. And you need to have that context to effectively 
allocate resources of what you're actually vulnerable to. You do have to have the tooling for that. That's that's the one area where you know the tooling really is instrumental in creating enough visibility and context to get the actionable intel to the defenders, right? So we want to have what, so what, and now what. And it's really, really hard to do that if you piece together a number of solutions. Um, so as a, as a defender, as a CISO, one of the things I said over and over again is, I want to get 90% out of 10 tools instead of 10% out of 90 tools. Um, I, I really don't want to cobble together my own ecosystem any more than I have to because you've got more relationships to manage, more life cycle to manage. You're missing the integrations, all of these things. And we're finding it very advantageous to package as much of this together in one platform as you can so that you can work off the best information that you can get. I think that responsibility falls on the vendors. The defenders then have to learn how to use it. They need to understand how it works. They need to understand API security. Another old saying that we have at WIB is you can't secure that which you don't understand. So if you've got security, you know, members of the of a security operations team that don't understand the first thing about code or application security, you're going to have a problem. Like we, we have to, you have to understand this before you can effectively defend it. So it is a multi, it's a multi-prong approach. You've got to do the people, the process, and the technology. Um, and one of them by themselves is is not going to get you there. Yep. I should have put a uh, intro caveat on this episode that you got two Texas boys talking here and there's a good chance we're going to explain ourselves in metaphors. Uh, Chuck, you're going to suck me in here. Truck full of hammers. And what was the other one? Jeez, uh, uh, I don't even remember now. They, they, they come next <laughs> But uh, yeah, 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 I'm talking metaphors uh, as well. And, and <laughs> we lived in Europe for a couple of years and I had to break myself of the habit in the first six months because I'd get these quizzical looks at like, what the hell are you talking about? But I didn't even <laughs> realize that was a thing. Like, that's how we that's how we talk in Texas. We never say what we mean. So the one like man chasing a rabbit was the other one, right? That so, was like a man chasing a rabbit, truck full of hammers. I love it. This is the most Texas conversation ever. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with one here in a minute. Um I think one thing we hear a lot when we talk to sort of folks leading API programs, trying to, you know, create this system for a whole organization that will make things, you know, work at scale yeah. is that it's rarely a technology problem. Um, it's rarely like an engineering problem per se, but that there's a culture change that comes with these things. That's the hard part. And that like, you know, most API transformation or platform transformation efforts fail, right? Yeah. That's one thing we don't talk about a lot, but it's somewhere 75 to 90% fail first uh, at each iteration. It takes multiple tries to get there. And most folks who've gone through it say it was because the culture wasn't ready. So I guess when you think about like the culture that accompanies sort of healthy security practice, what are maybe some of the things that, um, when you enter into a new engagement that you see as good signs? Good signs is having um, early calls with stakeholders from both the development and security teams present. That, that's a good sign. That, that means that they're communicating, they understand and they recognize that they need to work together, you know, help each other. This is a team sport. It very much is. When, when we have that kind of an engagement, whether it's led from the security team or whether it's led from you know, DevOps or DevSecOps, when we see those kind of stakeholders engaged early and with common purpose, that tends to lead to good outcomes. When, when we talk to, say, a CISO or, or you know, a security practitioner or whatever, and the tone is, I got to figure out what these darn devs are doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm chasing a toddler running with scissors, that kind of thing. If that's the, the tone at the beginning, 
then the, the, the main issue is, is generally not tooling or engineering. It's, it's that, you know, there's the, the internal relationships are strained, that there's, you know, not a lot of empathy, not a lot of um, understanding for the challenges of the other, of the other groups and things like that. And th that's a good early leading indicator. If the teams are, are able and willing to work together, then it's not that difficult to provide the tooling and the process changes to solve this. But you, you, you can't get there without, you know, at least, at least communicative relationships. You don't have to be buddy-buddy and go bowling every Thursday or whatever, but you need to, to be able to work with your colleagues. And if someone comes to us and they, they essentially are trying to use enhanced visibility to catch somebody doing something wrong and bring down the hammer, that's, that's generally not a recipe where you're going to have a great outcome. And it's not because the tooling is limited. It's, it's, not, it's just because you're approaching this in an adversarial way instead of a, hey, I want to protect my organization way. That tone at the beginning is a good leading indicator for how things are going to go, in my view. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, we've certainly seen in kind of folks building API programs, let's say over the last 20 years, kind of coming out of the SOA era, that like this shift out of like the center of excellence mindset and into more of an enablement mindset that, and, and like having done that sort of work myself, I always put it to people that like, consider that I'm your consultant here to, to make you look cool and not do stupid stuff, right? Like uh, I'm going to explain the rules that we made in a way that you understand what happens if you don't do these things, right. the trouble that you're going to fall into. So um, it makes sense that like that enablement mindset would work in the security world too. But I guess in your view, especially I'm particularly curious in like FinTech, do you feel like that kind of enablement mindset is alive and well in the security world or are we not there yet? I, th I think it varies a lot. And, and I think it varies a lot, even within industries, verticals, geographies. It, it, it really, I think, is more of a function of cul company culture, um, which obviously you know starts with tone at the top, but also like how is the organizational chart uh, aligned? When, when you're dealing, for example, in banking, uh, in banking, um, without getting into to, you know, too much nuance of a particular industry, there's what's called the three lines of defense model, right? So you've got your IT group, which is your first line of defense for IT controls. And then you've got a second line governance function, which is generally a, a pretty thin security organization. And then you've got internal audit as your third line of defense. Sometimes organizational structures like that unintentionally lead to blind spots. So they provide more latitude for governance because you have separation of security and the CIO, for example. But when you move into the risk or whatever organization, you wind up with less visibility because you're no longer part of the same organization, uh, you know, the same reporting structure. And so that, that's a, that, that plays into this as, as well, right? So how do the companies, how do the organizations, you know, how do they work together? And then how do they achieve common goals? And exactly as you said, it's not about, you know, just being Dr. No or saying no. If you choose not to use or implement APIs in your environment, you may not need an API security solution. That's okay. But when you change your architecture and you change your attack surface, then you do need to modify your defenses. Like the, 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 the real, the, what's driving the, the big gap in visibility that we were talking about is companies that are adopting new technology and changing the way they deliver business value. And the security team is either unaware or hasn't caught up to it yet, or they don't understand it. Um, and, and really the goal number one is aligning those visions. This is what we're changing. This is how we're doing things. This is how we're exposing our business logic and our functionality. This is how we secure it. Way too often that last part comes in eight or 10 months <laughs> down the road. And then it very much is a, 
now I got to catch up with what everybody's doing. And, and that impacts, you know, the everything else about this, right? It's different to catch up than it is to bake it in from the beginning. Obviously, we we propose that you you shift left as early as you can in the development life cycle and you bake as much of this in at the beginning. But if you haven't, it's never going to be easier to start than it is right now. It's only accelerating. Like the, the, the gaps, the visibility gaps and the coverage gaps are only getting worse. So even if you're behind the eight ball now, you're going to be more behind the eight ball in three months or six months. Um, so it's never going to be easy. It's kind of like going to the gym, right? If you don't want to go to the gym today, that's okay. Just go when you're younger and 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 better able to deal with recovery. Just pick the right time when you're younger and go then. Right? No, just yeah. we got to. It's only going to get worse if we don't do something about it. Yeah, it's going to hurt, but power through. <laughs> this is not going to hurt less if you wait longer. Exactly. It's not going to hurt less one. tomorrow. It's going to hurt more tomorrow. <laughs> I spent my weekend out in the out doing heavy yard work, so I feel exactly what you're saying. I need to get back to the gym ten years ago. um yeah i i speculate that in three or four years when we talk about this it's going to be the api product manager is really the hub for all of this and i think some of the trouble is and, and we've heard this from other folks too that api is still a bullet point on a feature and not the product in many places and that's where like it gets glazed over and, and the security teams and, and, and a lot of folks are looking at what is the UI that this is built for rather than here is a programmatically testable surface that we should just right. be beating to death so that we don't have to worry about it as much on the other distribution channels. But um, I mean, I, I, are you seeing like sort of differences in product approach, making a, a bigger impact on how the security function works? Yeah, totally, totally. And, and, uh, and specifically, I think what that, what that product lens builds is familiarity with what you're doing and making sure that you're doing things on purpose, right? Because you need this thing to run, you need to be secure, you need to be performant, available. It's not just an asterisk or an afterthought. Like this is, this is our product. I think th- that recognition drives a lot of good, uh, good outcomes treating this well, like, a, like a product, right? Yeah, there are no orphan APIs that are products. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, such a great, simple point. I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you kind of said it earlier, right? Is like, you said some little quip that like we, getting folks to align around the story of what is it that we're doing so that we all understand it. That is innately the job of the product manager right like tell the story right but when you have a product manager who's telling a story about a point and click interface and there's a bullet somewhere that says needs api right it's not gonna be the focus right so i i feel like a lot of folks throw around the api first term and that's where i always start on guidance because when they go what the hell does that mean i'm like i don't know somebody made up a word but um, it's like, start with treat the API as a product and everything else should start to fall into place. Um, hopefully I'm right. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I think, I think people have a natural tendency to confuse the what from the how, right? They, they confuse the what and the how all the time. And, and when we, when we talk about, I mean, if you even I date myself a little bit and I got the gray beard back, back in the early days of the cloud, oh, we're going to go cloud first. Why? It's, it's not that I'm against cloud, but what does it do better for our use case for this workload in particular? Like I used to run global infrastructure. I've just been a CISO for all this time. 
where, where, where makes the most sense for us to run this workload? Is this something that we need to dynamically scale? Do we want to harvest back resources at the end of the business? They like, what are the advantages to running in the cloud? And, and why does that make the most sense for us? If you skip that and just say, we're going to use the cloud for everything, then that's where, you know, a couple of years later, you wind up with all these repatriation projects where companies, they went to the cloud, they didn't refactor their apps. They didn't take advantage of any of the cloud native stuff. Their security guys and, and girls went crazy trying to find out what's the cloud equivalent of this on-premises security tool that I had without thinking about this is actually a different way to operate. They didn't go in it with understanding. And, and then they, they tried to, it's the same thing with API first. If you're just going API first, just to go API first, what, what are the real business benefits to this? You know, how, and how are you capturing that? How are you delivering that value? It, it, I don't know that it makes sense to lead with the how, but that doesn't mean people don't do it. I mean, we, we see it, <laughs> we see it all the time, uh, I, but I totally agree. To, totally agree. Let's we'll start with the what, and then maybe, you know, a, a full API, uh, you know, jumping in with both feet and burning your ships in the harbor and all the agile expressions that we see, that may be the perfect answer for your company. But don't start with the the how, start with the what. Uh, we, we see people missing that a lot. So on the theme of, um, you know, accelerating change and, uh, you know, certainly we're all seeing the the outcomes of that, which, which are scary and hurt. Um, I think like the, there's this trend of kind of low, low code stuff, which is now seemingly being steroid fed by a lot of this kind of AI generated stuff. Um, that's gotta be a scary looking tidal wave in the distance in the security world. It, it, yeah, it, it is. And, and it should be. And, um, where I think we are right now, it's really interesting to see this un, unfold, you know, in, in near real time where we've all been dealing with and, and working with AI every day for years and years and years. And then suddenly with chat GPT last November, you know, it really burst on and became front of mind for everybody. I think where we are in, in that journey is right now we're, we're still talking about confidentiality risk, um, which is material, right? If you're sending your sensitive data to OpenAI or any other third party that's hosting a model for you, you run into confidentiality risk for that data that you lost. Well, we haven't really, seen a lot of attention to yet are things like integrity risk. So if your if your accounting group, for example, goes out and starts using, you know, generative AI, whatever model they want to use for things like financial planning or financial reporting uh, or whatever, there are data integrity issues because we know these models hallucinate. We know they make stuff up. We, we just saw a recent case where um, there was a lawyer that used uh, chat GPT in an argument um, and then had to pay a fine because it made up citations that didn't exist, right? So, so there's not only confidentiality issues, but there's also integrity issues. And then there's availability issues also, right? So a lot of the AI tools that we've seen already starting to, to you know, crowd in the marketplace are just kind of cheap wrappers over somebody else's model. And now you've got a third party you know, service that you're buying something from that's using a fourth party service. And if that fourth party service you know, changes, they change the way that they deal with certain prompts or they go down or they go out of business or whatever. Now you've got this availability you know, risk and we really haven't addressed any of these things uh, you know, across the board yet. And, and I think it's gonna be a while in, until we do. Not to mention all the other threats are like attackers using generative AI, pen test GPT. You know, there's, uh, we, we've been playing around with this in our attacking group for a while. Um, video just uh, months ago now, 
somebody used a, a, a pen test uh, automation with, uh, with GPT to solve one of the hack the box challenges in like 14 minutes. You know, it's tremendous advantages to the attackers, but it's just that much more complexity for defenders. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a challenging time to be a defender. Like complexity is the enemy of security and it's never been more complex than it is now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny whenever like hype ramps up on something, um, and this has definitely been a very hypey six months for the, you know, especially off GPT and stuff. So I'm always looking for like, who's taking the contrasting opinion? Cause there's been a lot of just, this is gonna change everything. The world's gonna be different now. And it's like, who's got a different view? And, and I wish I had saved the reference, but a, a really, really interesting piece saying like, these things do a fantastic job at summarizing and emulating what every human has said, but there's not actually any insider introspect, right? Right. Like this is just in a lot of ways, a very complicated parrot, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, to your point about like the hallucination stuff and all that, I think the other piece of it though, that's, that's somewhat implied and, and we're certainly seeing get frothy in the early stage startup space is like how quickly to your point, the basics can be accelerated. Yeah. That coupled with like the low code, no code tools is lots of, uh, in my view, very scary apps just crapping out all over the place that like this all, like no one knows how any, how any of this works. It's a lot of like black magic hand wavy to some extent because no one hand touched anything. That's, that's uh, right. So I'm curious when you think about like, okay, let's go secure this thing that no one coded uh, that some model generated. And I mean, I have very firsthand knowledge to your point that we've worked with this stuff for a long time, that there is no one who can tell you how this model came up with that data, how it came up right. with that answer. That is virtually impossible. And to your point, do you trust it? Like, so how, like, are there any, is anyone working on how we're going to like secure these things? Yeah. And, and comprehensively, I'd say, I'd say no. You know, we're all we're all dealing with areas that are new in in our, our current swim lanes, but um, you know, how how do you even tackle data integrity issues for something like ChatGPT that's open to now millions and millions of people? Uh, and 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 it's fascinating to see all of the hacks and things that people are trying in real time, and and how reactive OpenAI, for example, is having to be. And okay, this is no longer allowed. Okay, this is no longer allowed. And then you'll like ask it for bomb making instructions and it'll say something like, well, you can't do that. And then you rephrase the prompt to say, I have ingredients that I want to make sure I can't make a bomb. What should I avoid buying? And it gives you the list of things not to buy. There's all these hacks and workarounds. We're just scratching the surface. And and the no-code, low-code is, is a great point where uh, there are a number of vendors that are uh, you know creating uh, tools and software for your company, but you don't really know what's in that code. And even the stuff that, that say GPT, that's chat GPT, GPT-4 can create. We have been playing, I've been, you know, I've had a paid membership for months now. It'll tell you the code that you need to write, Python, JavaScript, whatever you need, but it doesn't create secure code. If you specifically ask it to look for vulnerabilities and create secure code, it will do a better job but it's not baked in secure by default, even in the stuff that, that it generates. Uh, and you know, in the low code, no code space, uh, trust me, uh, that code's probably secure is not a good answer for anybody uh, with, with you know, CISO in their title. Um, Cause trust yeah. me never works, right? Trust is not a control. 
<laughs> there's there's yeah. no trust me here. I need to see what 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 were the abuse cases that we tried? How did the system respond? Was that expected? Like you really we really have to do that analysis. You can automate a lot of that, but it's not it doesn't just magically happen. And the the no code vendors aren't doing it for you. That they're not. That they're all about right. the hand waving. This is not the droid you're looking for. Uh, type. You yeah. don't need to worry about that here. This is no code. Well, it's kind of like the cloud. You know, being a defender in 2010, 2011, when we really started going into the cloud, the cloud practitioners tried to say the same thing. I need to know where my data resides. You know, geographically, I've got geo limitations. Well, you don't in need to cloud. worry about that. It's in the cloud. No, I do need to worry about that because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that turns I, out there's legal jurisdictions and things to yeah. be dealt with, right? Exactly. Turns yeah. out the folks in Europe, for example, have some heartburn over sending stuff to the U.S. And and if you do that unintentionally, now you've got some real issues, real penalties. So the, the wave the hand thing, that just doesn't work. You, it, yeah. it doesn't work anymore. And that really never should have. Well, as much as I'm uh, enjoying talking to, to API security folks and stirring the pot on, uh, you know, how do we change things and, and make it better. I definitely don't want to have a doom and gloom and, and help folks think practically about this. So we went through a lot of things uh, that, that folks could be doing or things that might be wrong. But, you know, if you're starting from scratch, uh, where do you get the ball rolling? Like, where do you reach? What's kind of the first tool technique, whatever that you reach for first that you would advise folks listening if they're kind of sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> this yeah. is way too much. I'm never going to get any of this done. Where do, where do you advise folks start? I, I, that's a great question. And, and I'd say the answer somewhat depends, obviously, on the, on the person and the company and their tenure in the company and things like that. But let's say that you're, you're a, a, you know, a, a CISO or a head of uh, app ops or DevSecOps or whatever, and you want to understand what your current footprint looks like. Uh, you know, first thing is start talking with, uh, with your coders, start talking with developers. If you don't have a relationship and you don't know what they're working on, you don't know how they're they're doing doing their job, start there. Just just build camaraderie and empathy and understanding for how work actually gets done in that company and how you're expressing business value. And at the same time, you can take a parallel track and work with uh, somebody like us. It doesn't have to be us, but somebody like us. And you can say, uh, look for a penetration test. What APIs am I already exposing out there? Ideally, you should know that. If you don't know that, that's okay. Um, there are ways that we can find uh, the APIs that are exposed to the outside and then evaluate, how serious is this? Do I need to drop everything and pursue you know, an API security program in the next 30 days? Or is this an emerging thing that I can spend more time building the, the internal process, the shift left process? Um, do, do I have to be super reactive or can I start with baking this stuff in from the beginning? Ultimately, where you want to land is is both. You need to to, to shield, shift left, um, and and uh, you know address those things. But if you count on shift left by itself, you're going to have a bad time. You also need to shield right. You need to monitor what's actually happening in production with your first party and third party APIs, and work with somebody that can give you that visibility, that can give you that lens, not just part of it. It gets really complicated when you start trying to piece solutions together from code analytics to testing CICD integration, traffic analysis, penetration testing from the outside and, and adversarial emulation. Ideally work with a company that can do all of those things and put all of that visibility into one context for you that gives you a single source of truth. Then it just becomes prioritization, allocation of resources, training. You may have, you may have staff, you know, training gaps. Okay. You can address that once you understand 
hey, we started writing APIs in Rust, whatever. I, okay, so now we need to understand how are we doing that? How, how does our application security program deal with that language and that framework and things? The main theme of the whole thing, though, is just doing things with intention, just doing it on purpose, not, not just switching and doing something different and then sort of damn the torpedoes. And then six months from now or, or a year from now, you figure out, hey, we never had even looked at any of this stuff. That's just going to end poorly. So what, whatever you need to do to start doing things with intention and align with business goals is really the best place to start. And, and we, we, we see companies of all shapes. Some don't have any APIs or at least none that they know of and they want to start from the beginning and bake it in from the beginning. And other times it's another customer we talked to recently. I've got 140,000 APIs that I know of. How do you eat wow. that elephant? One bite at a time. Let's yeah. let's let's figure out what your what your you know ecosystem looks like, and then we'll start with risk. What's the highest risk API? And, yeah. and draw a line and iterate one yeah. bite at a time. You, this is yeah. not a one week project. <laughs> as, as big philosophical adherence to like design first and like intentional design will produce a good API product, and that you know expecting a, a bullet of API thrown to engineers will produce an engineered experience. I think just in raw design terms, it makes sense to me, but uh, in your world, it certainly has a lot more material impact than how good is your developer experience? It's like, have you been breached? Uh, right. It's a little more serious. So right. awesome advice. And we do run um, into that, by so, the way. I mean, that's, that's, that's an unfortunate uh, side effect. We, we, you know, when we, from time to time, we'll, we'll have an engagement where we're, uh, you know, we're monitoring things that companies have never looked at before. And, and we can say, okay, you're, you're currently under attack. Like this API right now is undergoing a, a credential stuffing attack. You know, it looks like it's coming from, you know, the source and, you know, and, and what we can't tell them immediately is how long you've been under attack. Um, but we can help with, you know, once in a while, I mean, it's not once in a while, it's, it's fairly frequently. We, we wind up getting pulled into incident response with, okay, now you're aware of this and this is what we can do to prevent it. And this is the information that we have, but we've worked with our customers on incident response during uh, just discovery engagements where we found, okay, yeah, now we've got APIs that you didn't know about and you're under attack. And this is what happened in the last 24 hours. And we have to swing into that, you know, incident response mode, but that's, that's just part of the, part of the, part of the gig. Right. Um, yeah. The, the, the challenge comes in explaining later on the blind spot that was under attack for some period of time that you didn't know about that's tough to explain. And that's what we want to avoid. If we at all possible, if we can avoid our customers ever having to defend being on their back foot, um, that's what we want to do. We, we want to find the issues well before production. Production should yeah. be the last line of defense, not the first line. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Don't start looking for problems when it's live. And just because you didn't document it doesn't mean it's not uh, available. Uh, <laughs> well, Chuck, fantastic advice. Um, where, you know, for folks who want to kind of learn more, hear more from you, uh, you know, where should they look? Uh, where can they kind of uh, engage with you and web folks? Absolutely. And uh, so uh, we've got Black Hat coming up um, in August. So we'll be at Black Hat. We're planning on being there in Vegas. Uh, I'll be there. Our teams will be there. We'll be showing some hands-on hacking APIs, uh, you know, type demos, uh, some of our case studies, which we obviously anonymize, but we have several that we kind of run through 
to illustrate and, and make uh, concrete the sort of abstract things. Like we start talking about hacking a money movement API. What does that actually look like? What does that actually result in? Uh, how difficult is this? So we try to do a lot of that stuff. Um, we're also active in other groups like the Financial Data Exchange. So we'll be at the, the FDX Fall Summit coming up. And we're working with, uh, with industry practitioners. It's a great collaborative group. If you're in financial services, you should consider participating in FDX. We, we, we as, a, as a group, I'm not saying we like me, uh, you know, certainly not alone. It's a huge team effort are building the security profiles for the financial grade API. So if you want to be involved, there are industry work groups. You can support OWASP as well um, and actually define the standards for what API security looks like. And anytime, just go to our website. It, we, we currently, um, we, we constantly release white papers and educational materials uh, at wib.com. So we, we just released one, uh, Rafa from our product team, just released a, a great write-up on the OWASP 2023 API top 10. This is what's changed. This is why it matters. And we, we continually populate educational materials out there because we really are very much in a market education phase. Um, it, it's not that we have huge numbers of people that are aware of the issue and just choose to ignore it. We have a huge number of people that aren't yet aware of the issues that we're dealing with. And so we're, we're kind of bringing folks along to this is how to think about this and this is how to address it. And this is how we can help and that kind of thing. So conferences, industry events, we're, we're at all of them. And then just go to web.com. If we can provide any information specific to you, happy to do it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I regularly read up on y'all's blog stuff. It, it definitely feels like a space where, there's a few people who have a pretty good idea have, of how to do it and a lot of folks who need to catch up. So we're thankful that y'all are out there doing it. Well, thanks very uh, much. And thanks again for joining today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate helping get the word out. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you. API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code Intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details.